Hello and welcome to another Axe Church podcast. We are Axe Church in Camas, Washington. Check us out at www.axecamas.org if you haven't heard of us. And this is our podcast today and lately we've been talking about our current uh, sermon series, which is Dear Skeptic. It's um, kind of a letter to skeptics, um, trying to answer some of the most um, interesting and um, more difficult questions that we've seen asked by our peers and and the world about the Christian faith, about from skeptics to Christians. We are now answering those things. Um, so check those sermons out as well. They're also on this channel, as well as on our Vimeo. Um, they're really interesting sermons, and this is where we're going to now kind of talk about it after the fact, give it some commentary, um, apply it a little bit. So yeah, I've got Pastor David here with me today, um, who preached the sermon uh, just a couple days ago, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, it depends on when you're listening to this, how many days ago it was. Yeah, but, for us today, right, it was a couple days ago. Right. Um, yeah, so we've been working through sort of a commentary on each one of these. I think this is number four in this series. Um which is our third series of skeptics uh, messages. And this week we talked about sincerely held beliefs and we talked about psychological crutches. crutches. And so as to sincerely held beliefs, the idea is I think there's a lot of people out there who would say, look, as long as what you believe, you truly sincerely believe it, you're okay. Like as long as it's, as long as you honestly believe it or sincerely believe it, then, you know, how could God ever get mad at somebody for being wrong? If the person's wrong, at least they were sincere in their belief and like that that's enough. Have you heard that Hunter? I mean, have you been around people who think that? Yeah, it's definitely, um, something that has become popular. Um, and like a, like a syncretism of, of faiths, you know, like not any one faith is, uh, on its own, like they're all, they're all just different faiths that all kind of work together towards one faith. Um, what I read a book, um, like in my senior year English class that I think, was it the alchemist? Have you read that book? I have not. I can't remember. It's like a, it, it takes place in North Africa and basically this kid, he travels around and, and basically it points to all world religions are pointing to one God um, and it's, yeah, something that I've seen a lot of, especially over the past, in my experience, past 10, 15 years. Yeah. Which is about as long as that's about all my so. experience. So it could have right. been there before, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, I, the problem is, is that while it would be a very beautiful and wonderful thing, if everybody was really right, you know, that no matter what you believed, if you held your belief sincerely, you know, everybody was right. It doesn't matter what religion you are or not religious or whatever, like that we were all just trying to do our best and like, you know, it was all good. But the problem is a couple things. First of all, from what I can see, we're clearly not all trying to do our best. So that's the first problem. Um, and the second problem is it's not logically possible. And that's kind of what we walked through this week for everything to be for all for all ways to be correct mm -hmm. um you have people who kind of say well look you know all religions you know they all include prayer or they all include you know that people get together and and meet or so you know they find these these uh common threads similarities and common threads that really don't mean anything that wouldn't be any different than you know than uh, a high school football game well a bunch of people get together and they're all wanting the same thing and they all sort of cheer and maybe they sing a song like a certain camaraderie yeah i mean you could say that about anything right and so the problem with that is those are such surface level similarities that when you get down to it these religious beliefs and and non-religious beliefs they couldn't be more different and, and they couldn't be more uh, contradictory to one another. So the idea that <clears throat> somehow we're all, we're all, you know, just have our piece of the truth and it's all part of the same truth. That just can't be true because the pieces of truth that we quote unquote have completely contradict one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you ever heard the, 
the analogy of the, the guys and the elephant, right? So there's these blind men, and they find an elephant, and one of them finds the oh, trunk, yeah. and one of them grabs the tail, and one of them grabs the ear. And and so, you know, the, the one who grabbed the tail says, you know, I found, I don't know, I don't remember how it all goes, but basically they each have found something different. The guy who found the trunk is like, oh, an elephant is like a snake, you know, because he's found this trunk. And the other one's like, no, an elephant's like a really leathery whatever, you know, because he's feeling the skin or that, you know, whatever. These different parts, they've all got different parts of the elephant. The problem is that they're all wrong. They're not, they're not all each partly right. They're all completely wrong. <laughs> and the other problem is, is that the only way the story makes sense is if somebody can actually see the elephant. Right. If you can't see the elephant, it doesn't make sense. So there is actually a truth that is that is true. It's not like that with God. It's not like Buddhists are saying, we see this aspect of God. He's like this. Mm-hmm. They say there is no God. Buddhists don't believe in a God. Um, and then Hindus say, don't say, well, we see this aspect of God. They say there's 20 million gods, right? And, and so, and then Christians say, well, there's one true God. I mean, you can't, the, you couldn't be more opposite about the things that you're saying. And so the idea that they can all just have a piece of the truth, but that's not what they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an insult. Go tell uh, the, the Muslims in, in uh, the Middle East uh, you know that that live in the vicinity of Israel. Okay, you go find go find those folks, and you tell them that they are actually them and the Israelites, the, the Jews, are just actually both saying something slightly different about the totally same thing. Right. And they're not going to be happy. They're going to be like, my grandpa, my dad. We've all died and fought and bled and whatever because we don't believe that we're that we believe that we believe the same thing. We don't believe that we're looking towards the same thing. And and we've been willing to die for it. Now you're telling us we're just so stupid. We're so stupid that we couldn't see that really. You know, we're all talking about the same thing. And they're they've grabbed the trunk and we've grabbed the tail. No, that's that's not going to work because it's stupid. It's a, it's, you know, and I hate, I hate to say that I'm not trying to say people are stupid. I'm just saying the idea is nonsensical and it's people need to need to give that up. They need to throw that away Mm -hmm. because this idea that all roads lead to heaven or that everybody's got a piece of the truth. It's just not true. Mm -hmm. Uh, The best thing that you could say is that there are places that, uh, that each, that, that each religion has that may be true. For instance, every religion that says that it's better to give than to receive that's true. You mm-hmm. know, if that's what the, our religion says or a non-religion or whatever, that would be true for all of them. Right. That doesn't, that, that means they've all found a single piece of truth. That does not mean that when they say, you know, for instance, what the Muslims say about who Jesus is and what the Mormons say about who Jesus is and what the, and what a Christian says about who Jesus is very, very different, right. very, very different and opposite and, and against each other. They cannot all be true. And so this whole idea of sincerely held beliefs and not being enough, um, it's kind of a cop out. It's kind of a cop out. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you think? Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think, you know, in my youth, when I first heard this, I was like, I don't know, is there something to this? You know, maybe there, uh, I, I didn't ever like think like, oh, then the Christian faith is wrong and these other religions are right. But I thought like, well, maybe, maybe there, there's some sort of, of faith that they have that isn't perfect, but is close. But, as I thought about it more and, and learned about these religions more, um, I had a lot of Mormon friends growing up. So like, I kind of, I thought about like, well, they, they believe in Jesus. I just think they have a different opinion about how he does things. And then as I learned more about the Mormon religion, I realized, Oh, they, they believe he's an entirely different guy than what I believe. Um, and, and Muslims believe he's an entirely different guy than what I think. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of had the same, and and in my youth, it in my youth and currently, it sounds really nice if we would all be right, and all this um, hard thought being put into who is uh, what what religion is most um, worthy of being followed would be it really be really nice if none of that conversation mattered. It'd be really uh, um, comforting to know that all these people who I think are wrong are actually okay yeah i think that 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 our instinct is for peace i think our instinct is for people to get along i think our instinct is we certainly for people we want people to be eternally saved i mean that's that's sort of the sort of what we're doing here as as believers in jesus christ and so the idea that everybody could will be saved and everybody um 
everybody's really just right and that the this the distinctions are actually they don't really matter and that, that that's a that's a uh, attractive idea i think the problem is is that if it was really a good thing and it was really the right thing then it would have been the thing you know god has says clearly right and 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 from everything we can see has clearly done what's best to try to save as many people as possible and frankly you know and this is not not just an opinion i think that the that the science and the evidence and the philosophy holds us out frankly uh, a lot of religions that are out there they don't hold up to scrutiny anything like christianity and so if they're being held they're being held for whatever reason they're being held it's not be it's not because it's what makes the most sense it's not because it's what's best for them it's not for those reasons and so um while i respect everyone and i respect their right to have a different opinion and so on i i encourage people um including believers including christians to seriously analyze the things they believe and make sure they know why they believe them Mm -hmm. um but but i cannot Although it might be it might be something we would love to have happen, I cannot subscribe to the idea that everything is correct because it's impossible for that to be the case. Right? Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about, you know, I wish with all my heart that everybody would be saved, that no one would go to hell, that that it would be, you know, that that all roads could lead to heaven. Right? And he says, but I but I really don't when I when I think about it, I really don't wish that because that's that one doesn't make any sense. He said, basically, God has done everything he can to make that, you know, what would you ask him to do to make the road any more clear to, I don't know, to come to earth, to, to manifest as a human being, to die for their sins, to, to, to do everything possible to give of himself in every way. Well, he's done that. He mm-hmm. did that on the cross. Right. And, and so what more can he do? Right. Yeah. Um, so in any case, that's sort of the, um, I guess, the quick version of what we were dealing with with sincerely held beliefs. And I think that we have to be be careful because uh, I, at least as, as believers in, in Jesus Christ, we need to be careful. One of the things that we talked about was tolerance and the different kinds of tolerance. And, and one of the points that we made was when it comes to tolerance, which is to say living at peace with people who think differently than you, uh, the Christian worldview should be very, very tolerant. Uh, we should we should desire for the law to provide uh, safety and an opportunity for people to believe whatever it is that they choose to believe. Uh, we should be we should encourage people to to use their minds, use them well, and believe the things that they want to believe without fear of retribution uh, from the law. We should also socially, in the people that we meet and the people that we spend time with and, the, and, and, and so on, we should be very tolerant of other people's beliefs. In other words, we shouldn't want to punch someone in the nose because they don't believe the same thing as us. Right. We shouldn't treat them poorly. We shouldn't, we shouldn't refuse to serve them. We shouldn't refuse to... I mean, th- there's this whole thing going on right now where where there's this big question in in America of, you know, can you refuse service to someone because you disagree with their beliefs? Um, And there are, and I'm not going to get into that right now, there are some circumstances where I think that there are certain kinds of services that you should be able to sort of choose what you do because they involve speech. But most things, you know, serving someone at a restaurant, serving someone at a, at a hotel, serving someone at a store, serving someone at whatever, the fact that they disagree with what you believe or the fact that they believe something different should not keep you from not only serving them, but serving them well, serving them with a full heart, serving them, loving them, caring for them. I mean, that is, that is the way of the, of the believer. Um, but intellectually, we're not tolerant. We're not tolerant intellectually because you can't, because if you're tolerant intellectually, you're not intellectual. I mean, frankly, mm-hmm. you just aren't thinking anymore. You're, if you believe that people can think two different things that are completely contradictory to one another and believe that they're true in the same way at the same time, then you're just not a logical person. You know, right. now you're just not being an intellectual. And so there's a difference between me saying, I respect you, Hunter, and me saying, I respect your right to think what you think, and me saying, your ideas are just as valuable as mine or just as valid as mine. Um, if I have reason to believe my ideas are true, then I have reason to believe that your opposite ideas are untrue. Uh, 
and that's okay. You would, you would, you should feel the same way about me, right? Um, except you'd be wrong because <laughs> you know, of course. But I mean, how do you? You know, you've been going. I mean, of course, you grew up in Spokane, a little bit more conservative than this area, maybe a lot more conservative. Uh, you went to Bible college. You know, now you've been sort of in this area for what a year and a half or so, something yep, like that. What is your experience? of the way that people interact with these kinds of ideas, which is to say tolerance, uh, intellectual tolerance, you know, that all ideas are sort of equally valid. Uh, how, what's your experience of that? Yeah, I'd, I'd say you, you said Spokane might be a lot more conservative than here, but, um, you know, most of my Facebook friends are still people from Spokane. At least pe- Facebook friends who are my age are people from Spokane or from Boise. Um, and... I see very much the same thing. People um, who want always to be right. They don't, because it's become so taboo to be intolerant. The answer that um, we've come up with is, well, everybody's right then. Not anybody can be wrong because that would be intolerant. Um, And I think, I think that's uh, in a way it's, it's coming from a good place, a good heart. Um, a, a Christ-like heart, even one that, that wants to love and accept people. Um, but it, it misses the point. Um, the point is not to accept others ideas. It's to accept others. Um, and to, and to engage with those ideas to, to accept them and to, to accept them into the conversation about what is true. Um, but not to say, not to compromise what the truth is for the sake of making everybody feel good. Well, I mean, I think that's that's what I'm saying. We we obviously should have the conversations. Right. We should accept everyone's. I mean, there are exceptions, right? If someone is dancing around telling you that they're a hard boiled egg, uh, at some point you say, "Let's call the folks that that can help you out." Right. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but it, other than that, uh, you know, other than something that's just that just there's no way to have a, a, a reasonable conversation with. Of course, people should be invited in the conversation. The problem is when it's everyone's right, right? That 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 is a problem. Everyone's ideas are mm. equally valid. Yeah, that shuts down the conversation. Why why are we going to talk about this? This is just going to bring up unnecessary problems. If the main goal is for us all to get along and not question each other, why would we even talk about this if we're already if it doesn't make a difference? Well. Right. It, it would shut down conversation. Uh, it comes from a certain place. It comes from a place where you want to treat all ideas as, as the way that you would treat taste ideas, like your own subjective thoughts. So you, do you like strawberry ice cream? Mm, I can take it or leave it. Okay. Do you like vanilla ice cream? If it has cookie dough in it. Okay. What about chocolate ice cream? No. Okay. You don't like chocolate ice cream. You can take well, it or leave it. Okay, so maybe... There's a chocolate fudge ice cream that I like. Okay, so you like chocolate fudge ice cream, okay? There's probably somebody who doesn't like chocolate fudge ice cream. Right. And and those things can both be true. You you like it, that person doesn't, because you're not talking about the ice cream, you're talking about your experience of the ice cream, whether right. you like it or not. Right. People want to take ideas like God and truth and... And justice, and all you know, these things that are that are nothing. That you're not saying I like justice or don't like justice. You're saying justice is this thing. Right. That's like me saying chocolate ice cream is made of tomatoes and and corn nuts. Well, it's not. It's you know milk, sugar, and so on. So that's that's not a thing about my opinion. I might say I feel like it tastes like those things, but I but saying that it's made of those things is a different kind of statement than saying I like the way it tastes. Right. So people want to say that that all beliefs are in that area of subjectivity. And so they can all be true at the same time. There's, but there's a real problem with that. Now I'll, I'll explain it just like this. Tell me that all thing, all ideas are true. Just go ahead and tell me that. You know what, Pastor David, I think all ideas are true. I believe that all ideas are not true. Now what do we do? Right, yeah. Right? You're, we're, we're stuck. Well, because well, you can't you continue to... Yeah, I won. You, won. <laughs> you can't continue to affirm that all ideas are true because I just gave you an idea that literally contradicts your idea. Right. And so if that idea is true, then your idea by its very nature isn't true. My idea whole thing of explodes. non-contradiction is by on itself contradictory. Right. So. It, you, it simply 
cannot be done. It takes literally one chess move and the whole thing falls apart. Right. And there are people who want to say, look, it's not either or, it's both and. It's everything is both and. Not everything can be both and. Right. Uh, the fact is, is that we've just done, it, it took me five seconds to show you that there's a, there's a circumstance where you cannot have both things be true at the same time. Right. Um, and so, I mean, it's the importance of people getting this into their mind not just about Christianity, about everything, okay? Other than issues of, your, of you relating your own personal experience. I feel happy. You feel sad. Okay, fine. Those may be opposite emotions. I don't know. Do emotions have opposites? Either way. Those may be different things, but you're talking about you and I'm talking about me, so they can both be true. But we, but we cannot talk about things like there's a water bottle on the table in front of us where we're doing this podcast. You could say that water bottle exists and I could say it doesn't exist. Well, one of us has to be right. Or both of us are wrong, but we can't both be right because you said no and I said yes or whatever. There are certain things, most things that we care about that are important to us in life are objective and have correct answers. Therefore, your job is not to simply uh, abrogate your responsibility and say, I'll just believe what I want to believe and I'll believe it sincerely and that'll be fine. And if there's a God, then he'll forgive me for believing because I believed it sincerely. That's just not true. That's a total cop-out. You have to do the work to know what's true. Right. Um, and that's not where we are culturally. Uh, culturally, we're moving further and further away from that, more and more to an intellectual tolerance, which is to say, just saying all ideas are equally valid, uh, even though that is patently and on its face absurd. Uh, illogical, unreasonable, and yet we say, fine, if, if we have to get rid of reason in order to, to hold on to intellectual tolerance, then we'll just get rid of reason. Yeah. Um, that's a problem because <laughs> at some point, there's no point in talking anymore. Right. When you throw reason and logic at the door, then I, you, you might as well, we might as well just make up nonsense words because nothing means anything anymore. Mm. Um, but our drive or our, the attraction to the idea of wanting everybody to be right, which is really the attraction to the idea of what? wanting me to be right. right. If everybody's right, I'm part of everybody, so I get to be right. Yeah. Um, right? Or or the type of thing where it's like my cousin who I love so much or my wife or my son or my whatever, they've rejected Christ. They've walked away from the faith, whatever. I don't want to think about the idea that they might go to hell. Right. I don't want to think well, about that. Even your conviction in Christ to love everybody could ironically lead you to have this false belief because you so strongly want um, every Muslim to be saved that you sacrifice this part of, of what you know to be true for this other part, what you know to be true that you should love everybody. Um, but just cause you want that to be so doesn't make it so. Well, and there's another important part to that. Yes, we should love everybody. We should desire that everybody is saved, but we have to believe that God loves them more than we do. True. And so if we believe that, if we don't believe that about God, then why do we want people to be saved in the first place? Right. So if we believe by God that he loves them and wants them to be true, then we have to believe that his way of, of, of doing that, which is to say to, to have the Holy Spirit go after them, to enlighten the, the heart of every man and draw them towards, and I say man, I mean human, human, every person, and draw them towards himself, um, that God knows what he's doing. And so we say, no, God, what you should have done is just made it so that everybody can think whatever they want and it all works out. And, and God said, I think God would say, if that was possible, if that was, a, if that was even a thing, then of course I would have done that because I love all these people. I made them, but that's not possible. And that's not a thing because it's, it's logically incoherent. Right. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not, and, and if God did that, it's like saying, you don't have kids yet, but hopefully... Uh, Taylor will get you pregnant soon and you'll be, you'll be all right. Um, but you, when you have kids, which I do, um, oh. at some point, are those, I thought those are just your friends. They, they, well, sort of, um, <laughs> now that Ethan's taller than me, it's, you know, maybe, uh, you know, if your kids just, let's say they, you know, they're 30 years old and they need help and you're like, okay, why don't you move back in with me and um, we'll kind of, you know, help you get back on your feet or whatever. And they say, okay, I'm going to move in with you, but here's the deal, dad or mom. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want all the time. I'm going to take all of your stuff. Um, I'm going to come in when I want. I'm going to leave when I want. I'm going to watch, you know, whatever I want on TV. I'm going to pee on the floor, whatever, right? Just, just imagine. They say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You will have no control over me. You will have nothing to say uh, about 
about my behavior, I'm probably going to say, well, son, I'm sorry, but it is still my house. And so if you're going to live with me, there's just a, there's a certain, they're not crazy rules, but there's, there's a certain number of rules that are reasonable that I'd expect you to, to do. And if, if, if he said, no, absolutely not, I will not do it. I will not obey you. I would say, well, then I guess you're not going to live here. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it, well, fine. Then I'm going to go die in the street. Like at some point I'd have to be like, okay. I mean, I, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. I don't want that to happen. I, yeah. I love you more than anything. I don't want you to do that. But I'm not going to say, well, you can hold me hostage by saying that you're going to either go die in the street or you, or you get to run my house. Right. I think God's like that. It's right. like, listen, I love you. I want to give you everything. I want, to, I want you to come into my house. I want you to have all this stuff or whatever. And people are like, well, but I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to obey you. Well, and I think God also, in this situation, the parent also knows that the way that this child, since clearly they have lots of rebellion issues anyway, the way they want to live is going to, even though they may have a place in their house, they may end up still dying on the street despite the fact that they have provided a home for them um, because of the way that they have chosen to live. The rules that they're setting down are not for their own comfort. I mean, in this, this is a metaphor, so of course, to some extent, the parent just wants to have a clean house. But... Also, the parent wants the best for that child living in their house. And especially if they have other children in the house, they, they want the best for those children as well. I think that a lot of it has to do with wanting the best for the child. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if, if you know, my son was 30 years old and he was going to move back into my ho- home, the rules that I would have would be partially you know, for his benefit for my benefit and his mother's benefit, but mostly for his benefit, right? Mm-hmm. And so him, him refusing them, at some point, I have to say, well, you know, you can't, you can't be, in my, be in my presence, be in my whatever, and be completely out of my will. Right. And I don't mean my will, the thing I write, I mean my will for, for <laughs> this home and for what you need and so on. And it wouldn't matter at that moment how sincerely my child believed that he was right. It wouldn't matter how sincerely any of that. At the end of the day, at the base of the whole thing, his sincere belief would be fueled by rebellion. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we have to realize that God, you're asking God to, to for the universalist, the person who says all roads are different, you're asking God to let everybody in on any terms possible. And God is saying, that's just not possible. I, God's holy. He cannot be in the presence of those who have not been made holy, and you can only be made holy through Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, because no one can come to the Father but by him. No one comes to the Father because no one can come to the Father but by him, because we're dirty we're wicked, we're broken. And the only way that we can get to God, we can, that we can come and be in his presence is by being made clean. And the only way we can make, be, be made clean is by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The only way that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ will, will come and atone for your personal sins is if you make him Lord. You can't say, well, okay, I'd like to be completely clean, but I don't really believe I've done anything that needs to be made clean. And by the way, I'm not going to, you're not going to be Lord. You know, I'm not going to be obedient to you. I'm not going to do whatever. At that point, you can't, it can't happen. Mm-hmm. He can offer it all day. No, no, here, please, please, please take this. But if you reject it, you reject it. Right. And so it, it, there is no, at the end of the day, there is no reasonable way to talk about all roads leading to heaven, regardless of how much we may want that to be the case. And regardless of how much we may uh, try to sound, uh, what, what, sometimes the way it'll come off is kind of this like, well, actually, um, those of us who are really bright, who are really intelligent, we've come beyond this either or uh, mindset. And, and we understand that we just really don't understand the mind of God. And really, you know, all these things are true. I can't explain it to you intellectually, but that's a, that's a lower way to look at these things. Let me just tell you now, that is completely bunk. Mm-hmm. That kind of mindset, that kind of I'm overly spiritual. And so I can, I can see how these things can all work. And you come up with the elephant thing. And you come up with what, listen, you know, but stop thinking that you're smarter than everybody else. Those of you who, who think that, because I, I, in, in love and in respect to you, let me just tell you, it is total bunk. The authors who write that way, whether they come from a Christian tradition or from an Eastern religious tradition, you know, let me just tell you, it is not intelligent. It is not thoughtful. You are, you, you are, you would fail intro to philosophy class. This is, this is just, it's just bunk. And, and maybe people want to hear it because they want to believe these kinds of things, but you are out of your depth. 
And you, what you want to say is, no, 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 everyone else is out of their depth. Everyone else is, is, is really uh, animalistic and they, haven't, and they haven't evolved to the next level of really understanding this stuff. That's just nonsense. And I, you may not have run into any of this, but there are some authors, I'm not going to name anybody, but there are some people who sort of talk in this way. Right. Um, it, they can't make any logical sense. It's, it's unreasonable. Uh, it's, it's, you know, very spiritual type language, but it's just, it's just bunk. Mm-hmm. It's just false. Um, and they look at people who are, who are saying, no, 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 we need to be reasonable. We need to look at evidence. We need to, we need to, we need to read scripture and we need to understand what it says and we need to do it in a proper way. And they're just like, no, 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 all of that is this lower thing. And really you just need to get to this higher level. The, absolutely completely nonsense and if you buy that stuff you are buying snake oil so Mm. yeah sorry for going off there for a minute but but (laughs) i've been frustrated by people who do that um because what they do is they make people believe that they can ignore the rules of math science reason logic and so on which are the very basis of us even be able to have a conversation of you even able to listen to this podcast and understand what we're saying putting a sentence together anything requires that and they want to say no no you can get beyond all of that well you can't right you can't get beyond all of that because what those things are important um all right let's move on to crutches psychological crutches so unless you have something else you want to say on that subject no no i think i think we covered it okay um So in, in the service on Sunday, as I went through the message, I, I talked about Sigmund Freud. And what Sigmund Freud basically says is that, you know, religion and religious ideas come from this psychological place where you're basically, you know, just, just basically you can't handle you can't handle the truth. You can't handle life. You can't handle right. the difficulties. And so you create for yourself the idea of an afterlife, you create for yourself the idea of a, of a loving father um, who's going to take care of you and whatever, because these are your primal instincts to have a father who loves you and takes care of you. Uh, you know, this is just basically a wish fulfillment. You're just fulfilling uh, the wishes of your psychology, and that's where religion comes from. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are a million problems with, with this, one of which is the idea of a religion with a loving heavenly father didn't even come into play until in human history until a certain point prior to that that's not what religions were and many of them still are not about loving fathers and so on Um, not all religions are about uh you know an afterlife in that kind of way very few of them uh operate to give people the kind of uh the kind of uh certainty and so on that that freud is talking about and the other problem of course uh, one of many other problems is it, the same thing can be said for every worldview, including Freud's own atheism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you want to be an atheist because it's that's easier for you. That gives you more comfort. You don't have to have any guilt. It's because, easier if nothing matters. Right. If nothing matters, there's no guilt. You don't have to live with the guilt that everyone lives with because we know we're... We know we've done wrong, but if you believe there's no such thing as right and wrong, then you don't have to worry about it. If you believe there's no God, then the highest authority in the universe is your own self, your own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about wish fulfillment. Uh, you know, atheism is just as strong. And this goes along with other things like religion is a result of culture and upbringing. You know, if your parents are Christian, you're likely to be Christian, and that's the only reason you're a Christian and so on. Uh, of course, the same, same problems apply. Uh, if your parents were atheists, lots of Kids of atheist parents have become atheists, and does that mean that atheism is is more or less likely to be true? No, it has nothing to do with whether atheism is true, whether Christianity is true. It's just talking about whether or not culture influences those types of things, which of course it does in many cases, but that has nothing to do with whether or not the thing itself is actually true. That's a different set of questions. Mm -hmm. Now, when you try to attack a worldview, which you can just as easily attack atheists in this way as Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, anything you want, um, to say that there's a cultural driver involved mm-hmm. um, that that does nothing. That's a total ad hominem attack. It's attacking a person. It's essentially attacking the way they came to their belief rather than attacking whether their belief is actually true. Right. Um, and so I find these to be th- these kinds of uh, objections that Christianity is just a crutch for weak people. No, it's not. That's not what it is. Uh, although we can come back to that in a second. But the, the idea that Christianity is culturally driven or driven by parents. My parents told me lots of things that were true. You know, that's the bottom line is my parents told me all kinds of things that were absolutely true, not about Christianity. And they did tell me about Christianity, too. Of course, I went through a period of time in my life where I clearly was not walking with the Lord. And so I don't know how you would how you would reconcile all that with your parents being the reason you're a Christian. Um, But 
that that doesn't matter. What matters is the the work we've done to understand who Jesus Christ is, whether he's whether he's real, whether he rose from the dead, uh, whether we can be saved, all those kinds of things. That's what matters. Not not the fact that some people may or may not be atheist, Christian, Islam, Buddhist, Hindu, because they have some psychological um, reason for wanting to be so. I'm sure that that's true. I'm sure that there are people who who are who believe a certain thing because out of familial convenience. Sure, out of, it, it, because it, because their family did, because their culture did, or because they were psychologically predisposed towards believing that. Sure, um, that can be true of anybody, but it says nothing about whether the thing is true or not true. And it certainly is not. It's no more a, uh, a knock on Christianity than it is on atheist than it is on anything. Right. Any belief. It's it's the same thing. It cuts every single way. And of course, I think the atheist would say, no, 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 no. Atheists, no, most of most atheists grew up in a Christian culture or whatever and rejected that culture and rejected. Let me just tell you, right now, it, the culture, and for quite some time, the culture has has much more, and I'm just talking about popular culture, has much more moved towards either some sort of vague spiritualism or atheism. Right. Or they went, they grew up in a Christian culture and moved out at 18 into a university where it was a very atheistic culture. Mm-hmm. So then you could just say, well, you're just a product of that culture, that, mm-hmm. that university culture. And many, many people, whether they graduate from a university or whether they graduate from college or not, many young people spend at least some time in the most formative part of their adult years in a university or a college or, or community college or whatever it is. And atheism as, a, as an idea is is very prevalent among a lot. So, I mean, there are a lot of Christians in colleges too, but atheism is, is much more prevalent in college life than is anywhere else that I know of within culture, right? right. And so there, it's like you're, you're taking everybody at this extremely formative time, their first time out of the house and whatever, and you're, and you're putting them, they've left their parents, whatever, and you're putting them in situations where the sort of parental figure, the sort of adult, smart adult in their life is is pushing an atheistic agenda, right. you know, and, and you would, you think that that doesn't have an effect on, on whether somebody becomes an atheist or not. And yet I don't use that as an argument against atheism. I think it'd be silly for me to use that as an argument against atheism because it says nothing about atheism. It mm-hmm. says something about why some people may become atheists, right. which, you know, I, uh, attacking I people on that reason is silly. Personally, you should be looking at yourself that way, you know? Or with your with your close friends, you should be looking at, hey, do you just believe this? Do you really believe this, or do you just believe this because it's culturally convenient or culturally uh, been put on you, or do you actually believe it? Right. But you can't evaluate the idea itself based on that. No, I think that I think that as an introspection, as a self evaluation, mm-hmm. we should always be looking at the our beliefs and putting them through the test of. Are these beliefs things that, why do I believe this? Do I have good reasons for believing? That's why we do what we do at Acts Church, because I, I'm not content to have people be become believers in Jesus Christ for reasons that are not good or, or that don't, or that aren't, don't lead to true or real belief. Now I'll tell you, if you believe in Jesus Christ and it happens to be because you trusted your parents, they told you that Jesus Christ was the son of God, that he died and he rose again, and you trusted their authority, you would be right. In other words, you've, you found, because I believe that those things are true right? Um, and I have good reasons to believe it, you would have ended up finding the truth. It may not have been by the best method in the world, but you would have ended up finding the truth. But at this point, you should then go ahead and, and evaluate and, mm-hmm. and come to it on your own and not right. just from that from that position. But you'd be right. The problem is if you believe that, let's just, I'm just going to make up a religion. We'll call it ABC religion. Your parents told you the ABC religion was true, which is, which says that there is no God or that, or that Jesus isn't God or whatever. And you believed it on the authority of your parents, you'd be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so you got a problem there. So you, you need to own your own beliefs. You need to understand why you believe what you believe. You need to know more than just mom and dad said so. Mm-hmm. Not that your mom and dad aren't authoritative. And in other words, that you shouldn't listen to things your mom and dad say, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't believe what I say, what your mom and dad says, or what anybody else says simply on their authority, right. unless they're Jesus. <laughs> He's one person you can believe on authority, but 
he was able to rise from the dead. So until your mom or dad does that, or whoever else you're believing, you probably need to look to to more places than simply that. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not, I'm not suggesting everybody needs to start from grand zero. Right. Oh, well, now I'm not a Christian, I gotta become a Christian. No, I'm not saying that. Um, or even I'm not an atheist, now I gotta become an atheist again. I'm saying confirm your beliefs by analyzing your psychological state of mind, by analyzing whether or not these things have come simply from culture. That's fine with me. But the point that I'm making is that you cannot judge the the beliefs or the worldviews themselves simply by saying that there are people who believe it without good evidence. Because there are people that believe all beliefs without good evidence mm. because they had a charismatic leader because their parents thought so because their because their college professor said so because they grew up this way because they've got a psychological predisposition towards believing in certain kinds of blah 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 we go on and on and on what does that have to do with what's true right how is that getting us any closer to the truth it's not and so these kinds of arguments both the arguments that we dealt with on Sunday both the ones we've talked about today are the kinds of things that are they what's the word I want to use? They're distractions. They're distractions from the real work of discovering what's true, of of looking at the evidence, of looking at, and not just the cold evidence of this, there's these witnesses that say this, there's this thing, that thing, but but the evidence of of your own heart and and what is, is the Holy Spirit drawing you? Because no one, no one comes into personal relationship with anyone simply because I can convince you that the person exists. If I told you, I know a guy named Steve, and I promise you he exists, and I convince you that he exists, that doesn't give you a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. At best, it gives you knowledge of his existence. Relationship comes from something more significant than that. And so not only analyzing the evidence, okay, God, is real. Okay, Jesus is God. Okay, Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, he can forgive my sins. Okay, he loves me. Okay, what's my response to that? Mm. What's my response to the love of Christ for me? That's where the real the real work and the real stuff is done is once you come to an understanding of these things and what does that do as the Holy Spirit is drawing you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, how do you get to that relationship from just an intellectual belief? Right. Um, What's your, I mean, obviously you're at that age where a lot of your friends have now gone to college. They went off to school somewhere. They had those atheist professors, whatever. What's your, what would you say has been the result of those who you know who have gone through that process? Have, have they walked away from the Lord? Have they become nominal Christians or not Christians at all? I mean, what's your experience? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously most of the friends that I am in strong contact with now are friends that went to Bible college. So um, many of them, uh, are still Christians. Uh, I, th- I think all of them. Um, whereas, um, you know, I, I don't have strong contact with many of my high school friends. Um, and so I, d- I just don't see what their, um, faith life is like now. Many of them went to youth group with me. Um, so I know they have at least some history of, of, of Christian faith. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know where most of them are um, now. I don't know if I can speak to that. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's hard for you because you didn't go to a school. Hopefully, Boise Bible College was not a place where they're pushing a lot of atheism. Yeah, um, no. Although I'll tell you what, my experience, you know, in, in Christian universities is that, that ideas um, that are contrary are more accepted or more willing to be talked about than those than the opposite ideas at a you know at a non-christian school. So if you go to if you go to Cal Berkeley and you want to say something about Christianity or about something politically conservative or you know whatever anything that kind of goes against the zeitgeist of the culture of you know a liberal institution mm-hmm. and I'm using that word liberal not in a political way just a an institution that tends to be more atheistic more um, scientistic and and socially on a certain on a certain side on most social issues. And then you come and you have a different position on any of those things, on atheism, on scientism, on social issues, on whatever. And you come into that that place, you're going to be screamed at, yelled at, run out, run out of town, protested, whatever. As we're in a Christian university, good Christian universities, if let's say the subject of abortion comes up in a class, 
the person who is pro-choice and the person who is pro-life are both going to be listened to and respected. You mm -hmm. can they're, they're willing to engage. Academic freedom is much more full in that environment because they're not afraid of, uh, of the alternative viewpoint and they're not and they're not driven to anger and spite by an alternative viewpoint as where what we've seen and i'm not over there but for what we've seen in the news and so on the level of anger and an unwillingness to to even listen to uh other viewpoints seems to be pretty prevalent to me if somebody came to let's say we were at a, a college a christian college or whatever and somebody comes in and wants to bring some viewpoint that i find to be just despicable Worst case scenario is I just don't go, you know, to their to their speech or whatever, or, mm -hmm. or or I go and I and I engage with them and I argue for the other side. But the idea that I that I'm angry and that I'm running them out of town and that I'm saying that they shouldn't even have a they shouldn't even get the opportunity to speak. Well, that that keeps you from academic freedom and growth. Right. And so I've actually found personally that there's a lot of academic freedom in, in good Christian institutions. Um, and there may not be as much in some non-Christian institutions or state schools or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be unfortunate because part of, part of the journey um, of academics is hearing and having, and having ideas that come against your ideas and having to engage, listen to them, having right. to engage with them, having to uh, have a reason why you continue to hold your belief or maybe you slightly alter your belief. I mean, I've had to just, I've had to have my mind changed on a number of things. I used to, I used to hold different views on a number of things than I do now because I've had to have my ideas tested and come up against things. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what makes me, that's what makes the things that I hold now, I feel much more strong about them because I've heard the best arguments against them. Right. Um, and so, you know, that is the life of a Christ follower, in my opinion, is that, is that you want to have the mind of Christ, that you believe that you have, that, that both the Holy Spirit and the mind that you have, that God's given you, you know, your soul, mind, will, emotions are useful and capable of engaging with um, both scripture and what God is saying and those who, who are coming against those things, that you're able to engage with those things, that you're able to give good reasons that, that the wisdom of men, the wisdom of people um, versus the wisdom of God can become very clear to you because you're able to work through those things. And so that's why we do Dear Skeptic. That's why we've done Skeptics Forum and Seeking Skeptics and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. That's why we do these things is because we want the church to be giving people the information that they need, the hearing the arguments from both sides. Um, we used to do Contemplate on Monday nights here. We may start that up again. Or we sit there and we engage and, I, and we bring up the best arguments from both sides and we work through them and we're fair to them and we don't we don't ridicule them. We don't you know, we don't walk through them that way. The, yes, there are times where we're going to say, yes, this argument is nonsensical or it doesn't make any sense, but not out of ridicule. Uh, once we've proven that logically, then we'll state what's true. Mm -hmm. um, but but being harsh or ridiculing or running people out of town or whatever because they have different ideas is not the path to a strong mind and a strong understanding. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was it like at Boise Bible College? Were you able to engage in, in, I mean, you probably, at a Bible college like that, you probably didn't have too many alternate views. No, um, which is probably one uh, downside of a school like that. Um, though the, the, school, the, the school wasn't for you to investigate um, religious um, investigate which religion was true. It was for people who were convicted um, that Christ was the the Lord of their life to go and and learn how to um, serve Him in ministry. Is what my school was for. It was not for um, that side of academics, which I think is great. There were um, some classes that were had more of that element to them, though. And I had a, a professor who he would he would teach a he would teach like some sort of um, worldview that was contrary to Christianity. And he would very convincingly put himself in the shoes of the person who believes that um, almost, it was almost like kind of eerie uh, sitting through those classes. Cause there's, here's this guy who, you know, is um, like a Christian leader in the community. And he's, he's very persuasively arguing against Christianity or not necessarily against Christianity, but for some other things, some other contrary idea to Christianity um, because he was wanting to give it its best shot. And he would 
allow the students to um, investigate the the worldview to its full extent um, through that format. And I, I found that really, uh, I mean, it was, it was an enjoyable class and it was um, a really well done class. So, um, and that we, there was classes like that, that investigated other worldviews outside of Christianity. And then there were classes that we just talked about different um, traditions in Christianity. Like we would talk about um, Catholicism and all these different um, churches that came out of reformation and things like that. Um, in, in a hist- in a history of, of Christianity type of class. So, um, yeah, there was, it was, it was different. Yeah. is what I would say. If you would have brought up an alternative view, like, like that professor you're talking about did in a class and said, well, what about, and then, you know, put, put forward a view of a, a, an atheistic view or, or right. a Hindu view or and whatever, I, would you have been engaged with, or would you have been told to leave? Uh, definitely not totally. Um, partly because I would, they would know that I was just doing it because I wanted to f- further, like they would, they would know my conclusion, but they would see that I wanted to investigate it further. I, I did have one class where I was kind of playing devil's advocate on, on some sort of apologetic issue. And I, I kind of was disappointed that I wasn't really answered. There, there was kind of a, uh, well, the question you're asking isn't even, a valid question type of thing where it, it was a valid question. It was one that I, I know that you've answered in, in seeking skeptics. Um, and I just think it was that teacher's not that teacher's strong point is mm-hmm. how I, and I, that class was a class that I'd never felt like the teacher was able to handle apologetic questions super well anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and this is, and this is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is because I want every believer coming up, starting from the time that they're young and, and as they as they get older to be able to engage with this material, to understand it and to be able to explain it. Or at the worst case scenario, be able to know where to go to get the right. answers to these questions so mm-hmm. that you're not stuck having to say something like, all you need to do is just believe what I'm saying and take it without thinking. Right. Because that's or believe not whatever you already believe sincerely. Right. <laughs> right. Or as long as you believe it sincerely, go on and, right. and right. enjoy life. That's that's not going to work either. Um, okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Anything else you want to share, Hunter, before we go? Well, I, I kind of want to talk. We, we kind of, with the psychological crutch thing, we kind of went on the the Freud tangent about, well, it's not even a, basically that it's not a valid critique of Christianity, even if it is a psychological crutch, but what do you make of whether or not Christianity is a psychological crutch? I, I don't, I don't think that's that Christianity is any more of a psychological crutch than any other worldview, which is to say that I think that everybody as there, if you're, if you're looking for a, if you're looking to believe the things that are going to make you feel the best I don't think Christianity is the first one on that list. Right. So if that's if that's your if it's if it's about finding a psychological crutch, if that's really what you're doing, let me find a belief that I can connect to because it makes me feel the best. I doubt Christianity is going to be that for very many people. Um, but I will say this: I think that we are in need of much more than a crutch. Right. I think that we're in need that that a human being who is honest. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about look, the, here's here's the two facts that you need to know to understand anything: that there is a law. There is a law and that we break it, right. you know? And so every human should understand just at the deepest part of their heart that they're, that if there's a God, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the things, the thoughts that they've had, the things that they've done, that they're a rebel. And so you need much more than a crutch. You need a savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, I would say Christianity is much more than a crutch. It's the only place where you can go to be saved from the terrible situation that you're in under the condemnation of God. Right. And so, yes, but is it a crutch psychologically? Uh, it's possible that it is for some people. I think that if you're looking for crutches, there are better ones like there's no such thing as right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And so now I don't have to feel guilty at all. Just Or or kind of the self-help idea of you're strong and you have the power and the power right. is within and whatever. And that, now I don't have to go to anybody else for it. I got all the power within myself. And I got, So there, if you're really going, oh, what's the best crutch? I'm just not sure Christianity would be the one for you. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need a crutch. I think... I think at the bottom of a pit and you have two broken legs and two broken arms right. and someone's going to hand you a crutch and you're going to go, 
Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe I can beat myself with this until I pass out. Yeah, I, I do not think that the that the status of human beings is that they're in need of a crutch. I think they're that they're in need of a new spirit. Mm. Um, that they're that they're dead spiritually. That they're that they're a rebel. That they're under God's condemnation, and that they need to be renewed. And that Jesus Christ offers that. And there is nowhere else where, where you're going to find that. I mean, I can't imagine being part of a religious or or non-religious worldview that said that it was dependent on me. I mean, I'm just not good, you know, in myself. I, I, I know this. I, you know, I'm now, I'm now pretty old. got a lot of gray hair. I'm not old enough to, to know um, how broken I am outside of Christ and how fulfilled I am with Christ. Um, and so in that sense, if you want to call that a crutch, then call it a crutch. But I can tell you, I believe it because it's true. I believe it because the evidence is there. I believe it because my heart testifies and every part of my, of my soul testifies that I have found the truth in Jesus Christ. Um, I do not believe it because of it's, it happens to be, you know, tickling some psychological need in my, in, in my mind. Um, if I was going to do that, I think that there'd be, you know, why not pick something that's more popular? Why pick, why pick the one that, that everyone's going to call you an intolerant bigot? And, and why, why not pick something that's, uh, why not pick that everybody's right? That's mm. a better crutch. Right. I mean, if you're just looking for a way to, to limp through life, certainly pick the one that's going to make you more popular and happy. Pick so, or pick something that like, says that you're going to be rich if you do this. Or pick something that says you're going to, you know, Christianity is like, take up your cross, count the cost, you know, follow me. You need to give your, you know, tithe and, and, and give generously of your, of your money and of your time. And, you know, I'm, uh, every Sunday, I mean, we're, you know, what time do you get to church on Sunday? 7.30 in the morning? Yeah. And you, got, you don't leave until, what, 2? Two. Okay, so is that is that a crutch? Pick the one that's got a half hour thing going, or that has none, mm. right? Uh, I mean, I just think that that the idea that Christianity is a crutch, and other and other worldviews, including atheism, are not a crutch, is just it's just silly. It's just a silly thought. I think that people will choose if they're not going to choose things based on evidence. They are going to choose things based on what they like the most. Yeah. And I don't, and I think that maybe there'd be some who pick Christianity. Maybe there'd be some who pick atheism. Maybe there'd be some who pick Eastern spirituality, but you're going to pick what you pick based on what you like at that point. It's kind of right. like picking an ice cream. Well, and people water down and twist Christianity to turn it into a crutch. Even, you know, they, mm -hmm. they make it about Christianity is going to make you healthier and wealthier. You know, there's a, the health and wealth gospel, um, or things like that, where they, they twist Christianity into something that you can use as a crutch just to get by with life, but you don't need to just, get by you need to right be made new yeah i i was listening to a podcast earlier today by dr william lane craig uh, it's called reasonable faith if you get a chance to listen to his stuff some of it's some of it's pretty good i don't agree with everything dr craig thinks but you know um I don't agree with anybody, everything I think. So, um, but you know, very conflicted. Which, yeah, it's very, it's difficult. <laughs> well, I, I just be I change my mind sometimes. Um, so he was talking about sort of the prominence or the prevalence of sort of this health and wealth um, idea. And yes, I do think that is a crutch. I do think that when you go and tell people if you have enough faith, if you do the right thing, if you whatever, you can make God basically put him in a position to bless you mm -hmm. um, financially. Not not bless you, but specifically bless you financially. You'll never be sick, and you'll never and you'll never have money problems. That is just it, it's just so worldly based and so mm -hmm. yeah that's crutchy that's 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 it's missed the point yeah and and it's like like god is a lottery ticket or something god is mm -hmm. uh you know you put something in to get something out that's not what it's about we give to you know give more money so i can buy my jet and god will will, will you know uh bless you well that's just silly mm -hmm. i give because i'm compelled out of my love for christ to give mm -hmm. financially if if i ever tell anybody in our church that their giving is a direct one for one you give ten dollars god will give you a hundred dollars, then, you know, I hope that, that I would be removed by the elders of this church that day, because that is that kind of one for one quid pro quo with God is not the way that God works. Mm -hmm. We give because we're compelled out of a love for Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And, and we want to see that happen for other people. And we want to see and the he's church already given you immensely more than you could ever match. It's, and, and, and listen, getting rich or healthy is, you know, by itself without something more is, uh, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. Would you rather be wealthy, really rich and healthy and yet always want more? Or would you rather be dirt poor and be content? Right. 
Uh, you know, I'd rather, I certainly would rather be poor because contentedness is what you think wealth will bring you. Mm-hmm. But it, but that is not the story we see with most people who become wealthy. So if you're coming to God for wealth, if you're going to God just so you can be healthy and wealthy, that's that's absurd. Now, does God heal? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does God bless people financially? Yes, he does. Does God bless in much more important ways like 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 a, a solid uh, friendships and love and affection between people between people and eternal life and the blessings and the rewards that will come um, in heaven? Those are real blessings. Can you live a life the right way and have a better marriage? Yes. Can you have a better relationship with your kids? Yes. Are all these kind of self-help things? things that we can find in scripture. Yes, absolutely. That you can live a very full life as a believer, but there's no promise of health and there's no promise of wealth and there's no promise that you won't be persecuted. In fact, there's promise that you will be persecuted. Right. So if you're coming to to Christianity because you think it's the easy life, you have completely missed scripture. You completely missed the point. And that crutch ain't going to get you very far. Right. Right. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, Let's close this thing down. I'll let you pray for us, and uh, we'll be back next week. All right. God, thanks for uh, this time that we can think um, about you and think about the world around us and uh, make sense of it all. Um, I pray that you would be working in in all those who are listening to this, um, all their lives, that you would be um, helping their minds think well, helping them um, truly consider uh, the the questions that are are on their mind. Um, I pray that you'd put people in their lives who love them, who uh, want to see them grow, and honestly want to see them uh, know the truth. That they would help them uh, dissect these ideas um, because it's not something that we can do on our own. And I just pray that you would uh, bless this church as we um, continue to pursue pursue your will. Um, be with all of those who come to X Church and um, the various health concerns and and financial and familial concerns that we have in this church. I pray that you would bless um, everyone um, and all of their um, needs that they've both uh, expressed to us and, and haven't. Presence in your name. Amen.